Our gospel reading for the morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 through 23, and can be found on page 3 of your pew Bibles. This is as Jesus begins his ministry in Galilee. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulon, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great Light, And those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, will you pray with me? Spirits of the living God, fall afresh yet again here on all of us. Amen. Just this past weekend, a beloved member of this congregation said to me, Hey, congratulations! You've been installed here for a month! I have to admit this caught me a little off guard. And after hopefully not too awkward of a brief pause, I said, yes, you're right. Thank you so much. You see, in the midst of the Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, New Year, MLK weekend whirlwind, I celebrated my official one-month anniversary here at Westminster, officially, as we Presbyterians say, called and installed. But in that moment last week, I can assure you, it was not at the forefront of my mind. But a member of this congregation that had witnessed it, that had been there at the installation service, remembered. She had been among those who responded, we do when the congregation was asked if they would pray for and encourage our relationship to mature 
and to develop as we walk this Westminster Road together. I silently said a prayer of thanks for this woman, this saint of Westminster, who was bearing witness to God's love in my life. But I'm not the only one. I'm clearly not alone in this room of people who have been blessed by that holy hug of we do lately. For instance, just this month, we have baptized an adult, a child, and an infant. And when we do that, we have all said this vow. Do we, the members of this church, promise to guide and nurture the one to be baptized by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging them to know and to follow Christ, to which we all answer, we do. Guide and nurture, word and deed, love and prayer, to know and to follow Christ. We do. Next Sunday is the congregational meeting, during which we will be ordaining and installing new church officers. This is a sacred time, when elders and deacons are asked questions about their faith, their will to lead their desire to serve in this office. But then we, the congregation, are also asked a few questions. We're asked, do we, the members of this church, accept these people as elders and deacons chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? To which we reply, we do. Do we agree to encourage them to respect their decisions and to follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is head of the church. We do. In pondering the power of our shared communal vows, Lutheran clergywoman Kimberly Noel Zeller comments that these two words, we do, may be the very heart of what it means to live together in Christian community, baptisms, weddings, confirmations, installations, ordinations, all involve promises of we do or we will. It should never be a mere rote response. For our we do binds each one of us to the larger community and gives us all an opportunity to be God's hands and God's feet in the world. At a recent Christian Formation Committee meeting, children's baptisms were lifted up as one of everyone's favorite moments in worship. We just saw why. With a congregation so blessed, so immersed in children and in family life, we collectively need to proclaim, we do, through our co-parenting actions. When one of us can't wrangle our children in the pews, A friend who offers a hand demonstrates to us all that we're not alone. When the children of this church are spoken to as equals, given the opportunity to participate and engage in a fashion that makes sense to them, when they are asked sincere questions about how they're doing, then they know that there are people, people of faith, who care for them. 
If at some point their faith wavers, and friends, come on, whose doesn't? They'll know there are people that are ready to listen. Perhaps if they ever turn their back on the church, they'll remember the faces, the welcome, the nudges of encouragement that they once received. They'll know there are people who made a promise to be with them in their life of faith. The promise of we do will be known in the people who have embraced them. Now, I don't have the chance to do this at every wedding that I officiate. Some couples don't want it. But I love to ask of the congregation gathered, do all of you witnessing these vows promise to do everything in your power to uphold this couple in marriage? If so, say we do. The hope is that this particular we do will go forth with that couple throughout their marriage, expressed in friends and family, offering prayers and encouragement, reminding the couple that no matter what society says about their wedding day, no matter what anyone says about their relationship, they are not making this commitment alone. At my ordination, Minister of Word and Sacrament, the moderator of the Presbytery asked me questions about preaching, teaching, living faithfully. After answering each individual question in the affirmative, I remember seeing the faces of many who had witnessed my life in Christ. People who were present at my baptism, at my confirmation at my wedding. People who took seriously their words, their vows of we do. Tears of joy streamed down my face as I heard the congregation say those two words again. Bryant Kirkland, former pastor of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church, senior pastor there in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, had a saying always encouraging people to come to worship, and to find a home in the church. Kirkland said, you can't go it alone in New York. Now friends, with all due respect to Kirkland, and by basing my next statement on centuries of Reformed theology, we can't go it alone anywhere. We don't go it alone anywhere. We go it alone, or no, 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 we all go it together. When we say we do, we don't just bind ourselves to one another. We affirm one another's identity in Christ. When we say we do, we are honoring, dignifying each person, embracing one another as a unique, beloved child of God. When we say we do, we commit ourselves to the beloved community, called and promising to live, to rejoice, to learn, to engage, to grieve, and to create together. In this month when we celebrate his birth, it is perhaps Dr. King that described this beloved community best. 
For it's in a community like this that while every person has basic individuality, has basic autonomy, what each one does impacts and affects the rest of the group. This concept that King started to explore in his doctoral studies up in Boston was a theme throughout the rest of his life's work. And that is that the beloved community is a community in which all people are honored and treated with respect simply because they are human beings created in God's image and loved by that same one true God. This is what we help create when we say we do. This is what we perpetuate when we live out our sacred vows. When Peter and Andrew, when James and John encounter Jesus and are asked to follow him, they, they say we do by immediately dropping their nets, leaving the boat and following him. The word immediately has been translated from the Koine Greek term euthios, which means immediately or straight away, and is often used elsewhere in the New Testament to designate that there is absolutely no hesitation. No time passes. There's no pause. This is an immediate, assertive response. This word euthios is used when Jesus immediately restores people's sight. It's used when immediately Jesus calms the sea. And it's also used each time that Peter denies Jesus and immediately the cock crows. Does the world always respond to Jesus' call immediately? Unfortunately, Peter proves it does not. Now, do we proclaim we do with that same sacred euthios as those first disciples? I'd ask you all to think about this for a second. Think about all the different people throughout your life that you have said we do for. Those baptisms, those confirmations, those weddings, those ordinations, those installations. Who have you said we do for? Now think about this. Think about all the people who have said we do for you. I was recently chatting with a pastor of another denomination, the phenomenon of secularism in the world today. He was sharing with me that he sees that the larger culture no longer sees transcendence in the world. There's no more experiencing the mystical. There's no more acknowledging the holy in creation. He said to me, no one sees the divine anymore in one another. And all the time he was telling me this, all I could think of was the children of this church. Because for the last month in Creation Station every Sunday, they've been learning about a biblical character named John the Baptist. 
And they have been learning all about how John the Baptist was a relative of Jesus. He had big hair. He wore camel fur. He ate bugs. He baptized people in the Jordan River. But did John the Baptist baptize anyone up near Jerusalem? No. John the Baptist baptized people in the wilderness. John the Baptist was baptizing people who were not as connected. They had lost hope. They were looking for mystery. They were looking for transcendence. They were looking to see yet again the divine in the world. But John the Baptist baptized with water, telling everyone that someone, something was greater. Something was coming. And that something was Jesus. And Jesus didn't baptize with water. Jesus baptized with what? Fire and the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus the Christ asks us to immediately drop our nets and follow, what do we say? We say we do. For who in the world claims to live in community not just with their spiritual siblings, but also with all of creation and with the divinity in whose image we are all created? We do. Who names the way that we have done this poorly? The ways that we have fallen short? The times that we have not responded in the spirit of Uthios and vowed together to collectively do better. We do. Who promises to live a life rich with compassion and courage and mercy? We do. Who has members of their congregation come up to their pastor and question certain parts of the Apostles' Creed, doing this with the sure confidence that their faith community supports them wherever they are on their spiritual journey. We do. Who brings their five-year-old good friend puzzles because earlier in the week she'd had her tonsils and her adenoids removed. She was tired of hanging out at home eating popsicles. We do. Friends, who acts with justice? We do. Who loves tenderly? We do. Who serves one another and who walks humbly with God? We do. Who hands Bibles to their third graders because our hope and our prayer is that the word of God is instilled in the hearts of our children? We do. And who knows that Kirkland, who knows that King, and who knows that Kimberly Noel Zeller are right? We can't do it alone. We do this together in beloved community. And we affirm this regularly together. We do. Just like those fishermen who did not hesitate, we too know that there is a better way, a more immediate way, a more meaningful way to live our lives and to care for the world. It's not an obligation. 
It's not a question. It's an opportunity. An opportunity that what special group of people get to live out prayerfully every day together? We do. Amen.